0: Part 1, Chapter 6 of Israel's Faith. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Scott Josephson. Israel's Faith by Nathan Solomon Joseph. Reward and Punishment. In the world to come, every man will receive the reward or punishment to which his actions in this world entitle him. But you will say, we know nothing of the next world, how can we talk about such matters? To a certain extent you are right. No one has ever come back from the great unknown to tell us what is the reward of the pious and what is the punishment of the wicked. And it is well that our knowledge upon this subject is uncertain. For if we knew exactly the nature and extent of the reward or punishment in store for us, there would be no such thing as pure motive, and consequently, there would be no merit in doing right and avoiding wrong. Men would then probably find it worth their while to be good and moral, and would be so not because it was right, but because it was profitable. But would such happiness be pure happiness? I think not. Suppose you go to school with your work well prepared, and that you have accomplished the task set you by dint of great industry and perseverance. And suppose that your teacher is so pleased with your work that he gives you a prize, which you never had the least idea he would bestow. You will feel delighted at receiving such a reward. Your delight will be of the purest kind, for you will feel not only pleased at receiving the prize, but you will feel proud at having received it as a token of your industry and not as a payment for your industry. You will feel that you have acquired that knowledge for the love of knowledge and not for the sake of any benefit that you might derive from it. But suppose that your teacher set his class this very same difficult task, telling you and all his pupils that whoever performed the task to his satisfaction should receive a prize. I dare say you would try to gain it. But if you did, I am sure your pleasure would be very different from what it was when you gained the other prize, without it having been promised to you. You would work for the prize, not for the knowledge and when you took the prize, you would feel as if you had taken a sort of bribe to do something which was, after all, only right and proper that you should have done without any bribe. The happiness being less pure, the knowledge acquired would be less pure. And so it would be if our great master, the Creator, had announced to us the reward in store for us in a future life, for every good action and the punishment for every sin. The happiness derived from the reward would not be pure happiness. But with the uncertainty of our knowledge as to the reward and punishment, virtue is truly its own reward on earth. And the happiness, be it great or small, which will be our prize in heaven, will be pure happiness. That such a reward and punishment must exist is sufficiently clear. Let us see how it is that we must believe it. In everyday life, we frequently see bad men prospering and good men suffering the greatest misfortune. We often see men utterly unworthy, leading a very pleasant life, growing rich and powerful, and apparently untouched by the least pang of remorse. Everything with them seems to prosper, and good fortune seems to grow even out of their wickedness. On the other hand, there are men who lead a good and virtuous life, honest, industrious, and religious men, whose labors end all in disappointment, who are stricken by poverty or disease, and who are ever bowed down under the weight of their misfortunes. God is just, and even though these cases may be exceptional, he cannot be unjust even in these exceptional cases. Now if there were no punishment in a future life for the wicked man who prospers in this world, and no reward in a future life for the good man who is unfortunate in this world, would such a state of things be consistent with the perfect justice of God? We know not fully the ways of God, but we know for certain that he is just, and justice requires that the wicked man who prospers here shall be punished hereafter, and that the good man who is unfortunate here should receive the reward of his good deeds in a future state. Just as the bread is sweetest, for which we have to toil the hardest, just as the child is dearest, for whom we have to suffer most anxiety, so is the happiness greatest for which we have to work the most. So we are here to earn the everlasting happiness, which will be true happiness, only if we shall have fairly earned it, by working for it and deserving it. We all have trials and temptations placed in our way, and he deserves eternal reward the most who overcomes them. We all have passions and vices, and he earns best his title to everlasting reward who conquers them. We all have opportunities of doing good to our fellow creatures, of improving our own minds, of contributing, each in his own small way, to the improvement of the world. He who does this work well deserves and earns the highest reward of immortal life. But if, on the contrary, we encourage our vices, we lead a selfish life, setting a bad example to those who are sure to copy us, if we abuse our opportunities, if we are dishonest to our neighbors, if we stifle the voice of conscience, if we transgress the laws of morality, if we forget all else in our love of wealth and worldly position, Can we expect a reward in a future life from a just God? Must we not rather expect a punishment for spending our lives uselessly and wickedly, for neglecting golden opportunities, for abusing the wonderful powers with which we are endowed? Every man is responsible for his deeds. According to his work, so will be his wages in the world to come. End of Part 1, Chapter 6 Recording by Scott Josephson